0: Wow, what a day already. Y'all pumped? Y'all pumped? This is crazy. This is crazy. Preaching with a wet sleeve this morning. <laughs> always, always good. Today, man, you know what's amazing when you got Patrick Casey not on a guitar and sweating. He's worshiping so hard. You know it's a good day when my 92-year-old grandma's in the house. Give it up for Mama Lee. <laughs> Mama Lee is here hanging out with us. And you know it's a great day when Arietta decides to declare... Uh, her faith through baptism. Just a little bit more about her story. I went to Great Clips uh, about two months ago to get my hair cut. And uh, Arietta was my um, hairstylist. And so I sit down in the chair and she begins to ask me questions. And she goes, so Ryan, what do you do? And I always like, oh, my goodness, are we going to go there? What do I say? Do I say I'm a pastor? Do I say I'm a teacher? Do I say I'm an educator? Like, what do, what do I say? Because I don't know which way this is going to go. But I say, hey, I'm, I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, my goodness. Like, that, that's awesome. Like, I, I gave my life to Jesus years ago. And I go, hey, Arietta, um, have you ever considered, and she goes, getting baptized? And I'm like, What? It never happens. People stop talking to me after I say I'm a pastor. And I go, you do you want to get baptized? She goes, yes, I've never, never been baptized. And so we exchanged information. And I was like, man, let, let's do this. Like, you know, come to our church. Come check us out. And she uh, usually works on Sundays. And so six more weeks passed. And I'm like, okay, where's Arietta? And I went and got my hair cut again. And I sat in the same chair. And I go, hey, where are we at? Where are we at? Are you still wanting to get baptized? And she's like, I am. I am. I'm like, awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. Still, several weeks passed. Last week, as I'm walking out, somebody screams my name. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. I look back, and it's Arietta. She goes, I just, I just had to come check out the church first <laughs> before I made that kind of statement. And so are you going to come back next week? And then she comes. She brings a row of, row of people. Give it up for Arietta. She is amazing. <laughs> she's awesome. And you heard it in her story that she's wanted to get baptized, but she felt alone. She didn't have a church home. Maybe she didn't have her people. And we're in the middle of a series, we're at the, the last day of the series called In the Epidemic. And the epidemic we're talking about is loneliness. Week one, Stephen Gibbs, our senior pastor, talked about Adam and Eve and how God created Adam. And he looked at Adam and goes, this, this isn't right. You shouldn't be alone. Man shouldn't be alone. And so he created Eve and began, they began to live in community together. Uh, last week, St- 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 Pastor Stephen Gibbs also talked about the woman at the well where this woman began to kind of walk and, and go get, get water and Jesus meets her kind of one-on-one and gives her this water that would quench her thirst because this woman at the well, she was drinking salt water, Stephen would say. She was drinking things around her that was just poisoning her life and then Jesus kind of intersects with her life and has a moment and, she, and he leads her to salvation and she leads her people to salvation. And now we're at week three, the, the ending of the epidemic. And I, it's tough. Three-week series, and we're trying to end the epidemic. But I think we can give this thing a shot if we look back at church history. Because every single one of us in this room, every single one of you online have been lonely at some point. Oh, remember? I remember my, my, my five-year-old daughter, Riley. I mean, she's all in the friend game right now. Anybody that walks in, anybody new to the neighborhood, she's willing to, to play and hang out with. And I look at myself at 36, and people move into my neighborhood, and, and people pass me by, and I'm going, I don't, I don't know if it's worth it. When we're young, we grow up, relationships are everything to us, but then what happens? Someone breaks our heart. A friend stabs you in the back, a relationship goes sour, and then you and I, were kind of left going, man, there's nothing else I can do. I guess I'm gonna to begin to just retreat, go climb under my rock, and the relationship game just isn't for me. I told you guys a little bit, but while I was growing up, I had a mom and I had four other siblings, three sisters and a brother, a half-brother that didn't live with me. He was much older, but I was raised by really three sisters and a mom. And all the way up until age 11, man, even though I was the youngest of five, I felt alone. I felt like I tried to kind of, you know, enter into the picture, but for whatever reason, I just didn't seem to have my place. And I was beginning to retreat back and go, man, this is just the life for me. And then my dad, my dad decided to step out of his comfort zone. He's living in Atlanta. My mom and I are living in Texas. And he begins to, to step out of his comfort zone and he invites me into his home. It changes everything for him. He had no kids in the home. He had a different wife. And 11-year-old Ryan Rohan walks into the house in Marietta, Georgia and going, all right, dad, are we going to give this thing a shot? Are we going to give this relationship thing a shot? Because I'm done. And because my dad invited me into his home, it changed everything about me. It changed how I viewed relationships. It changed how I viewed loneliness. It, it, it changed how, how I viewed pursuing people because my dad invited me into his home and he, he, was, he was a huge part of creating me into the man I am today. What about you? Where are you at this morning? I wish I could ask, hey, if you're lonely, raise your hand, but you wouldn't do it and you probably shouldn't. But, but where are you in your life? Do you, fulfill, do you feel fulfilled in your relationship with your friends? Do you feel fulfilled with your relationships with your spouse? Do you, do you feel, feel fulfilled with your relationship with Jesus? Because ending the epidemic begins and ends with Jesus. If my dad would have never invited me into his home, I would have never met Jesus. Up until that point, I was just running wild and my dad began to go, hey, church and Jesus was going to be consistent in our lives. Ending the epidemic of loneliness... That the vaccine for loneliness is relationships. Let's pray. And I'm gonna jump into this thing. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for these people. Thank you so much for building a relationship with us. I pray, Jesus, that we can fully understand how you stepped out of heaven to earth and entered to the homes of us ordinary people. And I pray, Jesus, we wouldn't take it for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, don't just take this next statement out of context, but in the first century church, when Jesus was born, Jesus wasn't a big deal. I mean, think about it. Teenage mom, kind of hardworking father in a little town of Nazareth. It wasn't like gold dust sprinkled from the heavens. It wasn't like Jesus was carried in on a throne. He was born in a manger. Jesus, the Savior of the world, entered in. And this man, this baby grew up to be a man. And at 30 years old, he begins to recruit his people, his team, his buddies, his, his, the people that was gonna change the world forever. And even one of his disciples says this in John 1:46. He says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nazareth, it's like a, a city in Mississippi. I can say that because Stephen's not here. People said that that these people of Nazareth had these deep country accents. Hello, Canton. I mean, these people were, were wild and crazy. And one of his disciples said, like, can anything good come from there? And he recruited these groups of people and he turned the world upside down. Rodney Stark, someone who really didn't believe in Jesus, became so mesmerized about the movement of the early church that he wrote a book called The Rise of Christianity how the marginalized Jesus movement won the Western world in three short centuries. Most of us know this stat, but as of today, one third of the world's population claim to follow Jesus. That's 2.2 million people. So this morning, I want to walk us through the story of that movement. So Jesus comes to earth. He comes from heaven to earth. He lives and he dies, right? Just a really quick story. After Jesus dies, he comes back and he spends 40 days with the disciples. He's hanging out, walking through them, giving them their last instruction. And he gives them these last words in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says this. He goes, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, where they were staying, and all of Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And then Jesus goes to heaven. Could you imagine that last statement? Hey, church, hey, Stone Creek, I'm about to peace out, but here's my last wishes. You're going to be witnesses here in Milton. It's going to spread to Alpharetta. It's going to go down to Atlanta, cover the southeast, and eventually it's going to get to LA. Peace. (laughs) Good luck. 10 days pass. Disciples are looking at each other. Do you want to start? Do you want to go? What do we do? And then on day 10, an incredible thing happens. In the church world, we call it Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit comes down from heaven and and, and begins to fill the early believers of the day, just 120 people. Peter stands up. He goes, I got this, boys. And he stands up and he begins to preach his socks off in Acts chapter 1. He gets done preaching. He backs away. Everybody's head is bowed. Everybody's eye is closed. Hey, if you want to receive salvation, raise your hand. 3,000 people raised their hand. Uh oh. Now what? The, The vision that Jesus gave his disciples was actually achieved in the disciples' lifetime. Starting in Jerusalem, Peter preaches. 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. Hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Number one, first, you're going to be witnesses to Jerusalem. We have a map to kind of show you the progress of the early church. This is the city where the disciples were, the early Christians were. This is where they stay from Acts 1 to Acts 6. And then what happens in Jerusalem? We find out in Acts chapter six, verse seven. It says, and the word continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and, many, and, and a great many of these priests became obedient to the faith. From Acts chapter six to Acts chapter nine, the word of God spread to Judea. You can see it on the map. In Acts chapter nine, what happens in Judea in verse 31, it says this, it says, so the church throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. The, the, the movement went up. To Samaria, to a different type of people in Acts chapter nine through twelve, it went to Syria, to Cyprus, to Galatia, which is modern-day Turkey. In chapters sixteen through nineteen, the the the, the, the movement spread to Asia minor, minor, Macedonia, which is today is Greece. And in, in chapters nineteen through chapters twenty-eight, it gets to Rome. Acts chapter one to Acts chapter twenty-eight. 29 years, the the mission that Jesus unfolded to his disciples, the mission that seemed way too grand. Are, Are you kidding me? We have 120 people and Jesus, you want me to be your witnesses, not only to my city, but to those people, not only to those people, but across the globe, across the country, thousands of miles away. And they completed their mission in 29 years. So how'd they do it? Do you remember when Peter preached his message and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus? This is the first thing they, the 3,000 people, did. And it's in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 46. And Luke says this, it says, and they, the 3,000 people who just gave their lives over to Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and what did the Lord do? The Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. It was this immediate response. Peter didn't get up on the stage and tell them what to do. Peter shared with them the story of Jesus. Peter shared with them of of what had just happened in his own life. And through the life of Jesus, 3,000 people give their lives over to Jesus. And and they begin to walk into the streets. And I don't know how the interaction happened. But I'm sure as they were leaving, they are going, like, where do you live? Oh, you live close by? Hey, you want to come over tonight? Hey, where do you guys live? Hey, Hey, what do you like to do? You like to watch sports? Do you want to come over and watch sports with me? And these 3,000 believers began to live in such a way that it attracted all of those around them. There's several things that we learn from the first century church. Number one, the first followers of Jesus didn't forget about the Holy Spirit. You have a card in your seats if you want to take some notes. But the first followers of Jesus didn't forget about the Holy Spirit. Now, it wasn't just ordinary men. Uh, These were people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's the same Holy Spirit that Ephesians 1 promises all of us. That as soon as we give our lives over to Jesus, Jesus kind of gives us the helper, which is the Holy Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit, we're able to do anything and everything. So you're scared to ask your hairdresser if they've been baptized or not? Guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. You're nervous about the rejection, you're nervous about what would happen if you actually stop and pray for your waitress or your waiter, well, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit. You're nervous and you don't know what to do and how to lead your family and your kids and your wife. Well, guess what? These disciples didn't know either, but they had the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit you and I have today the first followers of Jesus began to end the epidemic without buildings or Bibles. Constantine built the first church in AD 350 In AD 400. The, the church actually got together to figure out what, what, what books were going to go into the Bible. And it wasn't until 1500, the printing press that, that the Bible was actually able to be distributed amongst the people. So what did the early believers do? They met together in each other's homes and they didn't have a building to go to. Well, how do they learn about God? The disciples and the apostles would preach and teach. And these people would write the verses and the, 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 their, their things on post-it notes and, and be able to hold those around. And they would gather people together in their house and they would pull out the post-it note and go, what, what do you think about this? But everywhere these people went, everywhere these Christians went, the church began to multiply. An epidemic of loneliness. The epidemic of people being far from God began to decrease and decrease and decrease because of people's actual passion and belief in him. The first followers of Jesus experienced two pandemics. From the time of Jesus to AD 350, the church experienced a pandemic of smallpox in 165 AD and measles in 251. Historians believe that close to a fourth or a third of the world's population was wiped out because of these pandemics. What did the church do? Did they quarantine? Did they just move to online? Did they shut their doors down? They didn't. Historians and Stark actually have written accounts of People who had smallpox and measles being kicked out by their own family into the streets. I don't want to die. You go die alone. Take one for the team. And these families would huddle up in their houses, thinking little Johnny or little Billy and and, and wives and husbands and boys and girls, sons and daughters were on the streets, and it's it's written at the church. These, these, These multitude of believers would walk into the streets and go, Do you have smallpox? Do you have measles? Let me come take you in. The early church brought death into their home. The first followers of Jesus went against culture. The Roman Empire in the first 300 years didn't value women. They believed that, that women were less than men. And they actually gave the okay for, for husbands and wives and for moms to kill daughters when they were born. So what happened in their Roman empire where people were getting to murder their babies after they were born and the church stood up, the early believers, they didn't want to have that mess. They're like, no, 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 this, this isn't right. This isn't okay. And it was the early church that began this movement of fighting against culture It's interesting that the Roman Empire, after years and years of of neglecting women and killing women away, the the percentages of men and women were quite quite drastically different. A lot of men, little women. Now what do you do with that? The Christian church, (laughs) 50-50 split. It actually ended up working out for the Christian church, not only to multiply of those around him, but actually to multiply and to continue to have a relationship, man and woman. The first followers of Jesus actually believed this Jesus stuff. The growth of the early church didn't just stop in Acts 28. Stark reported that the church continued to grow after Acts 28. And by AD 350, Christianity expanded to 33 million people close to 50% of the Western world. They live their life with conviction. They actually live like they believe this stuff. I think so often in our lives, we, we get used to Sunday morning. We get used to the, the daily Bible verse that gets sent to us every day. We're, we're trying to further the kingdom of God. We're we're trying to to make our relationship with Jesus even greater. But even in my life, I I don't know if I believe it all the time. Because if you, if I, if if we really believe this stuff, if we really believe the the, the love that Jesus has for us, our life would look dramatically different than it is today. The impact that you and I would have would be dramatically different different if we actually believed this Jesus stuff. And last thing, they didn't have to wait for a vaccine because they created one. These early Christians, they united in small communities around a common identity, mission, vision, and values. It's a team game. And what's the secret sauce? Matthew eighteen twenty, It says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among you. Jesus is speaking this verse. He goes, look at me really quick. You can't do this thing alone. You can't do it by yourself. But if you grab another person, maybe two people, (laughs) and you bring them together for my name, for the purpose of Jesus, not just game night, then maybe, just maybe, I'll show up. Can you gather one person? Maybe two? Hey, Jesus, I'll be in the midst of that. You want Jesus to show up in your life, don't you? You want him to be able to walk in and out of your house, in and out of your living room, in and out of your office, don't you? Because when Jesus shows up, good things happen. Hello? Hello? When Jesus shows up, he dies for us. When Jesus shows up in your marriage, what is he going to do for you? When Jesus shows up in your neighborhood, what can he do? What will he do for you? When Jesus shows up in your office building, what do you want him to do for you? But if we gather the vaccine of loneliness, Jesus is going, don't, don't, don't. No, 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 don't do this alone. If you gather two, maybe three people together in my name, I'm going to show up. I promise you, church, I promise you, disciples, that when I show up, I'm going to do good things for you. I'm going to begin to change your life. These people were outrageous. The scripture says in Acts 2 that daily they did this. Not weekly, not monthly, We know the average attendance of of church people are 1.3 or 1.4 times a month. These guys' average was one time a day. And these early believers would gather together. I don't think it was for long. Maybe it was just gathered together real quick before they went out and did their thing, but they gathered together daily. And the scripture says that, that Jesus added to their number daily. People didn't just jump from the old church to the new church. People didn't jump from the closed church to the open church. These were people who were alone, afraid, scared, without any hope. And these people began to walk in and going, what are y'all doing? Why do you guys live differently? You are really willing to grab the sick and bring them to your home? Are you really willing to sell your belongings and your stuff if you see someone else has need? Hey, Rohans, it's your turn. (laughs) Can you sell something in your house to help out the Burrells? You guys watching online? Are you willing or are you living with that type of love? You hear a need, you see a need, then you meet a need. You need something, here it is. It's difficult, right? When people go through tragedy, when something hits the fan in their life, the question we all ask is what? What can I do for you? And I know it's an an honest, genuine question, but the reality is most people don't know how to answer that question. And to be honest, I think most people don't know how to answer that question because they just don't really believe that the person's actually gonna do or give you what you actually need. Hey, Ryan, what, what do you need? What? Can you come trim the trees in my front yard or get all the leaves out of my bed? Would you show up? Hey, hey, hey Ryan, what, what, what do you really need in the case, in, this, this, in the middle of this tragedy, what do you really need? I, I need a shower built in my downstairs area. <laughs> uh, the early church was different. The early church was radical. Hey, what's your need? Let me fill a need. I'm so passionate about the way the early church lived because this is how my dad lived with me. A week ago, my dad passed away. And he was my role model, he was my everything. But as I was 11 years old, I got to watch this man and the way he lived. I got to experience this man inviting me into his home. I got to see this man being generous. One of the last memories of me and my father were six weeks ago when he came up to visit. And I told you guys, we got stopped by a police officer. And as I'm getting a ticket for an expired tag, my dad goes, hey, Ryan, what if you prayed for him? I want to be like, dad, I'm I'm the pastor. (laughs) But he was my leader. I feel that his legacy is lived on through me. And his legacy, like the first disciples, should be passed on to all of us. Does your life really look different? My dad loved wearing Christian t-shirts. He wore them every day with jeans and suspenders. They were corny. They were reckless. They were weird. But his life looked different. The early church, man, they they so desperately wanted to be different. Your neighbors, they want you to be different. Your estranged son, your brothers, your sisters, they want you to be different. Are you different? If we really think, if we really feel that we're going to end this epidemic of loneliness, it has to start with us. Just like the early church, what would it look like if we launched 500 people? Living in community, breaking bread, studying the Bible, praying and sacrificing for each other? What if groups from Milton spread to Alpharetta? What if people in Canton pick up and began to live the way we chose to live? What if from Canton to Kennesaw, Alpharetta to Roswell, Roswell to Sandy Springs, Johns Creek to Duluth? Think about all the lonely people who would see the light at the end of the tunnel. Being a part of a group is your next step. Not this church, but a group. And if the early church hasn't convinced you how to live, if the early church hasn't shown you the impact of community and group life together, maybe the Colangelo story will. Check out this story.
1: Hi, I'm Chris.
2: I'm Kayla. I'm Brooklyn. I'm Carter. We're the Colangelo family. And we're from Cumming, Georgia.
1: Yeah, so we lived in Jersey for about four years, um, and it, it was a struggle to get connected into the church. Um, the, there's not a lot of churches in in Jersey, and the one that we ended up going to was about an hour away. Um, but because of that, it was it was pretty difficult to get uh, into a group. And over that whole four year period, um, we never really got connected. We got connected in with friends, but. We didn't really have any uh, good Christian friends. We didn't have, you know, that um, that fellowship, if you will.
2: So when we came out here, we came during the summer, like in the middle of COVID, and um, our kids were bored, and I was looking for something for them to do. So we they landed at Camp Arrowhead this summer, and that's how we found Stone Creek. And from there, we just knew that if we wanted to have community, we had to get plugged in.
1: So I think probably the craziest thing about our group, well, one, our group is awesome. So let me just say that we we have the best group. So I feel you know, bad for like anybody else. You uh, can just, join though. You <laughs> can join. I mean, it's like unlimited uh, enrollment. Like we just take everybody. Yeah. Like I really thought, hey, we're gonna go to group and it's gonna be really serious and we're gonna you yeah. know talk about God and and all that is true. We do that, but it's also a lot of fun. Like at our group, we bring uh, it's like potluck style. Like we bring food and we break bread together and, and just hang out um, and then we talk about Jesus and we do life so it's, it's it's much more genuine and natural and real than what you might expect when it's like you know you talk about small group
2: I think just having like um, mm-hmm. friends that are like believe in Jesus has like been really huge for me because in New Jersey I had a few friends but no one believed in Jesus so I felt like I was kind of pulling away so now that I'm in group I'm like back like um, reading my Bible and I just have people to pray for me if I need prayer and I'm praying for them. And it's just like huge, something that has been missing. And um, I felt like in New Jersey, I almost walked away from the church because I didn't have any Christian friends. So now that we're in group, I'm like, these people are encouraging me and just pushing me to like be a better Christian and just a better person.
1: If you're on the fence about being in group, trust me when I say you have to be in a group. We joke and say ours is the best group, but yours will be the best group too. And um, you don't know what it's like until you have people who you can share life with um, and that you text on the weekends and that you, you know. If, if you want to, if you go to Stone Creek and you want to, to be involved and feel part of the church, um, group is by far the best way to do that. So um, just sign up for a group, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: Stone Creek, I want us to be different. I want when hundreds of years pass and someone begins to write about the movement of Christianity in the 21st century, I want to be in the book. I want our church to be in the book. I want you to be in the book. I want people to look back hundreds of years from now and go, what in the world happened? There's this movement. It started in this little town called Milton, Georgia, For these people, they, they began to gather together, not only on Sundays, but in their homes. And they were scared. They didn't know what to do, masks or no masks, inside or outside. When is this pandemic gonna end? But, the, but they chose to live in this, in this way, in this faith, because the Holy Spirit was in each and every one of them. And, And not just a third of the population became believers. I'm not satisfied with that. I'm not satisfied with 2.2 billion people claiming to know Jesus. We're losing. We're not in the majority. (laughs) We shouldn't be happy about it. And this movement started 2,000 years ago with 3,000 people who knew nothing who didn't have a Bible, who didn't have internet, who didn't have AC, who didn't have transportation, who didn't have the money that you and I have. My goodness, what kind of movement could we start if we simply go, I'm in. Not just for me and my marriage, not just so my kids can see and value community and small groups, because I want to be a part of a movement. And maybe, just maybe, we can end the epidemic of loneliness. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for relationship. I'm so thankful for my dad. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for this city. I'm so thankful for this Bible. I'm so thankful for baptism. I'm thankful for lonely people. I'm thankful that you've given me the Holy Spirit to reach those lonely people. And I'm thankful, Jesus, that this church is gonna be a part in ending the epidemic. And hundreds of years from now, Jesus, you're gonna look back at this time, this moment, this church, this city, and go, My people did it. They weren't confused. They just replicated what worked in first century. And so Jesus, I pray that you give every single one of us boldness. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will stir in the lives of everybody in this room. Make us uneasy. Make us sweat. Make us nervous. Make us do something unconventional. And I pray, Jesus, that because of the way you live in and through us, that we will begin to end the epidemic of loneliness. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.